The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that your word is living and active. And we pray, God, that by your mercy and grace, you would make it sharper than any two-edged sword. That it would pierce us, Lord. That we would see uh, not only its relevance for our lives, but your relevance for our lives. Your uh, saving grace to us. You Let us be among the crowds clamoring after you. Let us be among the disciples who are called uh, by your voice to be fishers of people. We ask, Lord God, that you would send your spirit to us. Give us clarity and understanding, but also, Lord, increase our faith. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we are the last part of the second part, last, uh, so part two, week four, I guess is what this is, Epiphany, the world meets the Messiah. So let's recap Matthew's driving theme uh, in his, uh, at least certainly his opening sections is fulfillment, yes, fulfillment. Um, we hear over and over again in these initial chapters something to the effect of this happened to fulfill the words of the prophet. Or this, uh, this, something, well, something like that. This happened to fulfill what the prophet wrote. We begin by seeing uh, the genealogy in, in Matthew, that God, uh, that ultimately, as bored as we might be with all these names, uh, we see that God has been working towards Jesus for centuries and centuries. Uh, salvation history has all been moving towards uh, Jesus. Then we see the, uh, Jesus coming in the majesty of His incarnation. And we have um, the Magi. So we begin to see that people are coming. And, and there's this strange sort of cosmic phenomenon which we still have yet to explain. Then we have John the Baptist and we, uh, in the wilderness calling. And he's, people, he's touching a nerve because he's saying, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and people are coming to repent. They are recognizing the hollowness in their life. They're recognizing that they have um, not loved the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, that they've not loved their neighbor as their self. They are, uh, their soul is in peril. Whether they are uh, poor working class, whether they are elite uh, religious class, whether they, whether they are... Um, uh, Gentile or Jewish, they uh, are recognized as this movement uh, of the Spirit. And even the, even the Pharisees and the Sadducees are coming out uh, to, to John the Baptist to be uh, taught by him. And then Jesus has this incredible sort of exodus, um, this exodus scene as, as he comes up out of the water, delivered, by the Lord, out of the water, into the wilderness, uh, to, to essentially wander uh, in the wilderness. So it's just like uh, the people coming up out of Israel, going through the waters of the Red Sea. And so he defeats, uh, he defeats Satan in the temptation. Now we have uh, this introduction to the world. This is a sort of bridge passage from, uh, from Jesus, all the fulfillment, all the, the prophecy of Isaiah, into the ministry of Jesus, into what we're particularly familiar with. So next week we'll start the Sermon on the Mount as we begin to see this, this incredible uh, teaching, this incredible sermon. It's really, so the, this, the, the, uh, 
the, the section, the, the part uh, that will be, as we look for the next, I think, seven weeks of the Sermon on the Mount, best sermon ever. Best sermon ever is the name of that. that. But this, so this passage right here that we're going, the second half of, of chapter four, is the bridge passage from preparation. Jesus has been, has been being prepared himself, as well as the world and the salvation of history, to the ministry of Jesus, from preparation to ministry. Uh, and not just ministry like mine, where, you know, it's sort of his vocation, just what he does with his days, but messianic ministry. He's coming to be the Messiah, uh, to call disciples and call us all to himself, to heal and to teach, and they're all leading to dying, resurrecting, and ascending. So, that's sort of where we are. Any questions about where we are, or where we've, what we've been through, any lingering questions that have, have been... Um, Burning in your consciousness as you've been, you just haven't been able to sleep at night. Can't wait to get to the rector's forum. Anybody? Except that, that not saying that is more the excitement. Than oh, the excitement. Yeah. Okay. So it's not the questions. It's just okay. It's the excitement. Well, then you ain't seen nothing yet, buddy. Here we go. Another kind of. All right. Caffeine, let's go. All right, now when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, for those dwelling in the region in the shadow of death, on them light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So we're just going to work through this paragraph like we do not, not have three points or anything. We're just going to work our way uh, through it. John was arrested. And that, we can kind of see now, John was there. He's preparing the way of the Lord. He's the voice crying in the wilderness. His ministry comes to an abrupt end because he is arrested. And then, um, and then Jesus' ministry begins. Now he heard that John had been arrested, so he withdrew to Galilee, out of the um, sort of the territory, Jerusalem, and the territory uh, occupied, particularly I think, um, by the Pharisees, who would have gotten uh, really upset with with his ministry. But into Galilee, a little bit more obscure, a little certainly more lush. Uh, we hear in John uh, in Matthew chapter fourteen, as we'll get to in who knows, 2023, uh, that John the Baptist had been arrested by Herod Antipas. Now, Herod Antipas was one of the three sons of Herod the Great. Herod the Great died, of course. That's when Jesus came back out of Egypt as, uh, as a boy, probably uh, four, five, six years old, something like that. And, um, and, but Herod, so Herod Antipas has been reigning uh, in his region uh, around, um, around Jerusalem, I believe. Now, Herod Philip was reigning up in Galilee, but apparently he was not the threat that Herod Antipas was. And John the Baptist had been arrested uh, by Herod Antipas because he had been saying, you can't have your dead brother's wife to be your wife. Their, their third brother, and I can't remember his name, but he died, and, uh, and so he married uh, his wife. His wife's name was Herodias. Okay, now Herod... Philip and Herod Antipas married Herod Dias. Uh, there's there's some kookiness going on there, y'all. It is um, it's it would not be according to our modern, modern standards. 
it was, I believe, either their half-sister or uh, first cousin. And, uh, but it was, it was all, I don't know, royal and gross. But, the, um, um, but so, uh, Herod Antipas didn't, as you remember, Herod Antipas didn't kill John the Baptist right away. He was actually fascinated with him. Herodias wanted him dead. But he would actually go, Antipas would go in and listen to John the Baptist. And he just couldn't quite figure him out. So Jesus goes and resides in Galilee, in Capernaum, by the sea. And if you have had the privilege, uh, like uh, several of us last, uh, or two, two springs ago, uh, to go uh, to Israel, then you know that Capernaum is a, was a small village on the northwest uh, side of the, of the Sea of Galilee. This was Peter's hometown. In fact, they built a church right over the ruins of what they are almost certain is Peter's house. And it looks like the church, because it's over the top, and it looks like the Millennium Falcon. It's really one of the ugliest churches I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but it has this glass bottom where you come in and it look, and you look down over this, uh, the, the ruins of Peter's house. It's really, really interesting. And, and then the... The, uh, the synagogue where Jesus was uh, healed, healed a man with the, um, with the hand is just right, I mean, it's a stone's throw from, from there. It's a small town. It's all cramped on, on each other. But right in the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. So if I can get this beautiful map, and uh, it'd be better, I guess, if I had it on PowerPoint. But you see, uh, so here's the Sea of Galilee right here. This all, all this right on the west, uh, western side of the Sea of Galilee is Zebulun. And then Naphtali is over here by like, Nazareth. And you remember uh, Naphtali and, and Zebulun, those were two of the tribes of Israel. And so uh, like Judah and Benjamin and Dan and Manasseh, those were all tribes. Of, and so they were, they were allotted territories. And, and Isaiah says uh, that in in the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that's basically Galilee, that on you a light has dawned. Now this, of course, you may recognize this passage. This is the famous it's Christmas passage. We'll read it again this Christmas, and uh, I'm going to read it for us now. So it's Isaiah chapter 9. And, and remember, Isaiah is back and forth, especially the first, the first 39 chapters. Gloom and doom is coming. Redemption is coming. So there's good news, bad news, good news, bad news, good news, bad news. But this is one of the good news passages. There will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And he goes on. I'm just going to keep reading to, because you're going to know this passage. You have multiplied the nation. You've increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you've broken as on the day of Midian. Now here, all right, so people are reading this. And they hear that everyone, you, you, are, you are 
multiplying the nation. The nation's growing. There's, it's thriving. And they are going to have just as much joy as they have at, at a bountiful harvest. Oh, my gosh. Now, how do they see that the Lord, the, they have a great harvest? The Lord has provided for them, right? They're completely dependent upon the rain. And so the Lord, and they, they, they really have almost no irrigation from, from the Jordan. And, and so uh, when they have a great harvest, it's because God has provided. And so there's incredible worship. And they'll have as much joy as, as when they divide the spoil. What does that mean? When they win a great military conquest. So these are two of the most sort of nationalistic, greatest ideas of joy that they can sort of come up with. And why is this? Because they expect a military leader to give them, um, to give them peace in their land. Uh, the yoke of his burden, the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor is broken. Right? So, so they're, they're, they're visualizing this oppressive regime is broken. They don't, what they can't see is that actually the oppressive regime is broken. It's sin itself. It's sin itself. For every boot, this is so amazing. Every boot of the champion warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. And I always read that at Christmas. I'm like, maybe I should explain that, but that just seems tacky. You know, like it, it's Christmas time. But it's, um, it is saying all the garments rolled in blood because, because war is, is bloody. And all of the garments that have been rolled in blood are actually going to be burned up. But, and there will be no more blood, is what he said. There's no more killing. There's no more war. Peace is coming. And they're saying, that's fantastic. Get the Romans out of here. For to us, a child is born. And to us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. It is such a great passage. And I don't know about you, but when I read this passage, I can't help but think about Linus uh, reading, uh, read, reciting this in, uh, in the Charlie Brown Christmas story. It's just, it's, it's amazing. He just steps up, drops his blanket, and... and Lays down the gospel. It is it is awesome. So, um, but the so so Matthew, of course, is is recalling this this to fulfill what is written because Jesus is coming to Zebulun and Naphtali, Galilee. That's Galilee of the nations, and uh, it is uh, it is there that he begins his ministry. It's there where he establishes. Uh, that he begins to call disciples to himself like a good rabbi would. Uh, it is uh, there that uh, crowds begin to follow him. It's there that he begins his healing uh, ministry. It is uh, quite, quite uh, remarkable. And, and what he says is interestingly the very same thing that John the Baptist said. That's how he begins his ministry. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What do you make of that? What in your mind distinguishes the teaching of John in that call distinguish to, to uh, the teaching of Jesus. It, does anything? How do you reconcile? When you're just reading that, how do you reconcile that? that their ministries are the same and yet their uh, vocation is, is particularly different. Do you give that any thought? John was preparing for 
with Jesus, and Jesus began uh, after he said repent. Then he started his 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 teaching. Yes. Yeah, so John was preparing the way, but his message was the same. That's that's. You would think that if, if Jesus said, "All right, I'm taking it from here," that his message would be different. I would anyway. So I'm just curious as, as to how you well, understand that. I understand that by, by the way by what happened after he said that he followed, he, he followed up with miracles. Mm -hmm. That's right. It was his his um, all John the Baptist was, was pointing ahead. The kingdom of heaven wasn't him because Jesus was on the scene, but he hadn't taken it. He hadn't come up out of the. The water, yet he hadn't received the Holy Spirit as the inauguration of his ministry. But now, more so, more than ever, the kingdom of heaven is at hand because Jesus is beginning with the Spirit to begin his, his ministry. Yeah, that's a very uh, that's a very powerful comment. One that if you were standing there wondering what you might feel when he said the kingdom is at hand. Yes. When you say that, so so for the folks listening, he said, you know, what might we feel when if we were to be there when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The first thought I had was the, um, the people who come to arrest him in the garden. He said, I am he, and everybody falls down. You know? and, um, and it would you know, it would have been, I think, gentler uh, than that. But, it, but, to, but to think there is great power. There's this sort of electricity when Jesus says, the, repent. Rep Again, let's remind ourselves, what is repentance? Turning away, turning around, turning away from your past. So turning away from what? Sin. From yourself and from the world. Yeah. Ourselves. Our, from ourselves. That's really it. Our sin, of course, but it's our sinful um, position that if we just do a little better, if we um, if we were going to rely on our own works and not on God's salvation. And so God has has brought the in, His own instrument of salvation. And so to repent is to come to the end of ourselves. But Thanks be to God. His office is at the end of our rope. So, um, repent. Realize that, that the emptiness is the result the, the, that you're feeling is, a, is, a, is the result of the fact that we can't do it. But that God is doing it for us. And he, you know, if, you, if you were in church, Trent talks about the blood sacrifice today. And, and that's incredibly uh, appropriate on Reformation Sunday uh, to talk about the blood sacrifice. So that is, uh, that is great. Reformation Sunday, do you know? I'm just, that's an aside. Reformation Sunday is, uh, this is the Sunday that, uh, this, that we mark the, um, the nailing of the 95 Theses, Martin Luther. It's the beginning of the Protestant Reformation. That's all that is. All that is, just, just, just an altering the chain course of history. Okay. So repent for the, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, repenting, uh, turning away... It, you know, so in the baptismal service that we'll have next week at 9.15, we ask the, the parents and godparents six questions. We say, um, the first three questions, do you renounce Satan? Do you renounce the world? Do you renounce the simple desires of the flesh? So we're renouncing. That's repentance. We're turning away from, we're acknowledging that we were in these things and influenced by these things and we'll continue to be. We're turning away from them. And then we ask, do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? So we're turning to Him. Repent is a turning to Him to ex expect, not in our own strength, but in His strength, that we are, that salvation is that gift. And the kingdom of heaven is at hand because the King is here. All right. Let's go to the next, which I think is just a wonderful um, paragraph. Jesus calling His first disciples. 
So while they're walking, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and, his, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So I have always pictured, before going to Israel, I always pictured this, this Jesus walking along the Sea of Galilee. And I just pictured it like Jack's Beach. Like there was this, I mean, I knew that, you know, it's kind of a big lake, but I just pictured this sort of sandy shore. And let me tell you, it's like grass and trees, grass and trees falling off into the, into the lake. It, it is, uh, there is no sandy shore. So he's crawling over rocks, going in and out of trees. Uh, walk, but it, I mean, it would have been beautiful, but it's not this sort of, sand, sort of sandy shore that I had always uh, pictured. And he sees two brothers, Simon Peter, um, who's just Simon at this point, and Andrew. Well, I say he's just Simon because it, um, actually we know that uh, from the Gospel of John that Andrew had seen him at the Jordan River. And in fact, he had gone and grabbed his brother, Simon, and introduced them. So this is not their first meeting. Matthew makes it sound like it's sort of this, this lightning bolt moment, but it's, 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 Matthew's not being disingenuous. He's showing the power of the, the call of Jesus. But, but we can piece together from John that they'd actually had some interaction before. Uh, and it was actually the first interaction where he said, you're, Jesus said, to, to, he said, your name is Simon, but I'm going to call you Peter. And, uh, and that's, he said, and you know that Peter means what? Rock. And later, of course, he would say, on this rock I will build my church. And it's the confession of Peter. Um, not actually Peter himself, although... We can we can talk. We'll talk about that when we get to Matthew chapter sixteen in twenty twenty five. But the um, so they would have, they would have already had some significant interaction with him, and I've always thought of the sort of this this call as uh, because it does seem just kind of out of the blue, and I've always thought it to really speak to the magnetism of the call of Jesus. Just wondering and imagining Jesus like there is this power in his words. Uh, he just shows up, this guy in a toga says, follow me and I'll make you fish men. And they drop what they're doing and follow him. And I just thought, I mean, I thought maybe doctrine of election, like, you know, we can't, he calls and we have to come. I mean, there's really, if you think about your own time, that you made a choice to follow Christ, but you look back and there really wasn't a choice. It was just, there was no going the other way. And that's the way it is for me. It's not like I, uh, I could have, could not have chosen Christ. Uh, now, I mean, of course, day in and day out, I, I make bad choices or, or, you know, simple choices, selfish choices. But you know what I mean by that? Like, like I look back and, and it felt like there was a fork in the road and I certainly made a choice, but I could not have made that choice if I had not been called by Christ. And, and if I look back on it, there's, there was no other, there was, there was no alternative. I wasn't just as much in control to go the other way. I was, there's this magnetism. So I always think about that when I see this call. Um... But there's, but there's also a sense in which it takes time. You think, I don't know your own, your story, but it, but you think like there's got there's a season of, of of sometimes it's a lightning bolt, but more often it's this it's this um, coming around to Jesus. 
how was it? How was it for you? Did you? Was it a lightning bolt, or was it more of this? I mean, you were brought up, and there was a there was a time where a season where you can't. How was it? How was it? Anybody want to share? I think it's common to have a period of procrastination. A period of procrastination. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. You actually have all the facts in front of you, but you just aren't ready to align with all of them. <laughs> that's right, and so that's why I feel it is, in fact. Uh, a choice. It's a choice. There's this. It's got all the pieces have to fall into place in your in your heart and your mind. But then you look back on it and think it could have been any other way. Anyway, that is this way it is for me. Anybody else? Thank you for sharing that, Keith. Anybody else? Was it a lightning bolt for you, or is it sort of gradual? No, but I think when you've been raised in the church, mm-hmm. you know, like again Sunday school and and you know everything your whole life. Then you kind of go away to college, you know, and you stop going to church and you partying on the weekend and so forth. And then, you know, really? you get out of the habit. <laughs> Just kidding. You yeah. got to get out of the habit, you know. But then you get a little bit older and you come back. It's almost like a coming home. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's, it, you've kind of stepped away, but then you you come back home. It's not like a lightning bolt. It's that you're back where you always were. Yeah, so the, for the folks um, listening online, Charlotte said that it was, it's a, like a coming home. You, you, you grow up in the church, you wander away from the church, and then you, and then you come back because you realize that hollowness and you need it. And it's not like a lightning bolt. It's like, you, it's like I'm, I'm home. Tractor beam. Yeah, tractor beam. That's probably a better way to say that's, that's really good. Yeah. So that's the way it was for me. Now I wonder if you have uh, seen the uh, the wonderful series called The Chosen. Many of you have. It is a um, it is the best Christian um, filmmaking I've ever seen. Uh, a lot of Christian filmmaking is absolutely terrible. You know the production is awful. It's cheesy. Um, this is so good, and you can just get it's just on an app. You just go to your app store. Google or Apple, and uh, and download the app, chosen app, and then you can cast it up on your um, on your TV. If you don't know how to do that, get your grandkids; they'll show you. And just um, and just, it is so good. It's called the Chosen, and and there's this. Um, I've always I've always I've always read this again. Poor Zebedee, like Jesus shows up and takes his best workers. Gosh. Well, and I just always thought, I'm mean, preaching from the pulpit, like, oh my God, poor, you know, to kind of make this joke about it. The Chosen, actually, it's not, it's not all just word for word following the script of Scripture, but it, it presents some very plausible scenarios. And one of them is this, and that is that because Andrew was at the Jordan, he comes back to hometown where he's fishing, and he's telling everybody about this. Word's getting out, and the, and the buzz is going around. The Messiah has arrived. And when Jesus says, come and follow me, they feel so privileged. It's like the, it's because they've been taught from when they were children to anticipate the Messiah is coming. And now he shows up. And Zebedee's like, are you kidding me? Do not worry about these nets. I will take care of them. You go. I mean, it is, it is the pride of his life that his children, his sons, are called by the Messiah to go and be some of his disciples. And that just shed, for me anyway, just whole new light on it. 
I just thought, poor Zebedee's probably in hell because he was just like, you know, just so upset at Jesus for taking away his, uh, his fishermen. No, and it makes so much more sense. You know, like you, you see, well, this is just another example of how I put, cast my own grumpiness into and sin into, into my reading of the scriptures. Um, he would have been so, if he believed it, and there's no reason to think that he wouldn't have believed it, that, um, that, that actually this one that we've heard about all our lives, and now we've heard about uh, in just, you know, around the, I don't know, they didn't have water coolers, out, out of, around whatever they had, uh, the cactus, I don't know. And they said, uh, they, 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 he's, he, now he's come, he's shown up at our boat and said, follow me. Oh my gosh, like, I don't know what's going to happen to our business, but I mean, it's just not even a choice. You look back, there's no fork in the road. I mean, it's just Jesus called and we're coming. And it's, I mean, it's the wonder. I mean, I just, like, can you imagine? And, and yet, I also think it would have been so hard to believe. Because if somebody showed up today and said, hey, I'm the Messiah, follow me, we'd throw him out of here. We'd call, the, call, you know, I don't know, Baptist and, and say, he's got to be committed. You know, like, it just, um, it is, uh, it would be so hard. Yeah, so, there's, so I think it's both. I think there's this coming around and getting used to the idea and anticipating, and there's this magnetism of this call, where when you know, you know, you know. And it's just, so I think it's, I really think it's, it's both. And he, um, so Jesus says, uh, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He's speaking to them into language that they would have understood. You've always been fishers of fish. And so I'm going to make you, I don't know, what is that called? Men are, he's not a fisherman, he's a, Miner, miner, I don't know. Um, I saw a, a T-shirt once that said uh, it said something like Simon Peter's um, fish cat, you know, fish, fishers of men. He said, "You catch them, I'll clean them," or something like that. So that was uh, that's what Jesus said. You you catch them, Peter, and I'll, I'll clean them. You know, the cleaning is is, is for me. Um, you like that? Yeah, that's pretty good. Huh? That's, yeah. yeah, you catch them, I'll clean them. Uh, so Jesus does the cleaning. And now it is, uh, let me ask you this. Is this call to these disciples to be fishers of, of humanity, is this unique to these disciples? Or is it a call for all of us? It's a call for all of us. Says you. Anybody else? Okay, like everything else, I think it's both. So, it is a unique thing for these because uh, because of they were they were they were being apostles. You know, they were being called out and then sent out uh, later. They, they have a unique ministry, but all of us, in fact, are called to go on in that apostolic ministry and to be uh, those who have a winsome, um, attractive faith. Right. So, in the baptismal covenant. Again, which we'll go through in the 915 service next week. We ask either adult baptismal candidates or parents and godparents, will you proclaim? No, in fact, we ask this to everyone. We ask this to everyone. This is the, the part where we, uh, we say the Apostle Creed and we ask a few questions. Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ? Not just by example. I try to live a good life and hope that people see it. And not just by words, like a hypocrite. And I was actually thinking about this. In the service this morning, um, we, we pray not just by our lips, but in our lives. 
right? We pray that um, uh, in the confession, not just by our lips, but our lives. And I'm just thinking, a lot of people live good lives, but they don't do anything with their lips. And a lot of people, it's, it's awful when people talk a big game about being a Christian and they don't have any fruit of that in their life. But I think it's also troublesome if somebody really loves the Lord but can't talk about it at all. Now we have to be smart about it. We don't cram it down people's throats. Yesterday I was watching College Game Day on ESPN. And it, they could, they kept trying to change the camera angle, but they couldn't get out. All, they, I've never seen, I've watched College Game Day a lot. But there were Jesus signs everywhere. Over Kirk Herbstreit's shoulder, over Desmond Howler's shoulder. They could not get away from the Jesus signs. And actually, I went on Twitter just to just to see, and the people are like, "What is the deal with these Jesus freaks?" Uh, and then behind college, and and it was, and I felt like that's so awesome, and it's kind of annoying at the same time, right? It's just, it was a little like, it, because it just went on for hours and hours, and I did. It, college game day is the pregame show where they go through all the games and they talk about it. And it's a lot of fun. Anyway. Two, two weeks ago, we drove up to North Carolina and we drive down 26 in South Carolina. Yes. There's three or four spots where it's just every billboard is repent, Jesus coming fire and brimstone. Yes. And Allie and I, every time we drive through that area, it's like, who is this really targeting? Like, who's. Yeah. Looking at that oh my goodness, I need to go to church. I've never been to church. I'm looking for church. a sign. Yeah, oh, there's one. Yeah, right. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how many people are, are uh, saved by the billboards or the signs. Oh, that guy in the crowd behind Kurt Herbstreit. That's the sign. I better go to church. Well, maybe. I mean, maybe. 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 Even if it's one person. Even if it's one person. It's totally worth it. I just have to say. I was like, that's so awesome and annoying at the same time. Like, I just, like, it's, it's just, I don't want to be pushy. You know, I don't want to be pushy. But, the, but so, so I, I think evangelism at its core is this. It's sharing your whole life with people in a winsome way. It's sharing your whole life with people in a winsome way. But if you're sharing your whole life, then certainly you're sharing with them the most important thing in your life, which is Jesus. Not doing it in a way that's cramming it down their throat. You're just doing it in a way that's yourself because it's part of uh, what they love about you. It doesn't mean sharing doctrine. It doesn't mean, sometimes they'll be invited into a Bible study, but it doesn't have to be that. I've talked about my neighbor who I just love so much and he's just such a great guy. And he's Jewish, but he doesn't, he's not really active in his own Jewish faith. And I just want to say, and I haven't, I mean, I've been praying about it and every time I'm about to bring it up, he, he walks away, but you know, like, have you considered that Jesus actually is Messiah? I just, I mean, we're close enough. We we would still be able to to have a great conversation after after that, even if he was totally offended. But you know, remember how the, Andrew actually uh, brought Nathaniel. Andrew, what did he say? He didn't say, "Hey, let me walk you through Isaiah." He said, "Hey, come and see. Just come and see." So you can bring them to food trucks, or you can bring them to service, or you can bring them, uh, you know, that it may be like that. Maybe invite them to come over and watch The Chosen with you because it's so awesome. Or, hey, um, we teach me how to cast this off my phone up onto the phone, and why don't you just sit and watch with me? Just um, So, anyway, um, let's think about how to do it both with lips and lives. How to share our whole life, especially the saving part of our life. Yes. I have to say this. I'm not bothered by those things. 
because maybe that's that person's way. Yes. Saying, holding up the sign about Jesus. Um, you know, maybe that's the way they verbalize their feelings. Right. And so I'm not You're not, yeah, so, um, Sissy says she's not bothered by the signs. I'm, I mean, I'm not either. Like, you know, I'm certainly not going to call them up and tell them to stop. You know, like, I just, um, I'm thankful for it, and I, and I pray that someone does. It's not my way of doing it, but. Right. I just don't want it, I don't want to be off-putting, you know, more, more than anything. Yeah. But at the same time, like, God's going to use what He uses. And if He uses that, then praise God. If, it, if He puts off nine people, but He draws one person to Himself, I mean, He's got, that, that's, that follows, that follows for Him. Yes. Wake up John 3.16, look what Tim Tebow did. Never forget that. I'll never forget that. And it's still with me when I see John 3. John 3.16, what Tim Tebow did. Put it under his eyes. Put it under his eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Put it under his eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, I remember. But I mean, that wouldn't, that wouldn't, you know, there was always the guy with the wig, the rainbow wig, and, uh, you know, sitting behind the, the um, field goals. Um, so, I mean, it, there, there are wonderful ways to do it. There was a there was a commercial uh, during a Super Bowl a few years ago where it showed the guy with the rainbow wig and holding up the sign with the John three sixteen, and then it flashes over to a guy watching that. Well, this is all part of the commercial. And he says, what, "What is John three sixteen? So he just starts googling it on his phone. And he's like, "Huh, I need to, I need, I need to do something with that." I mean, it's really it's just it's and it says go to church. So I don't remember what it was. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's the great challenge for the church today is to show our faith with, with deeds and, and love. And, and uh, you, you know, it's unless you're following and asking God to take you in a way where you can share His message yes. and be empowered to share His message through faith in Him. Yeah. Well, but if we're just trying to beat people over the head with the gospel, that ain't going to work. Right. You know, uh, we don't want to beat people over the head with the gospel. We want to, we want to show them in our lives. Uh, but... Anybody can serve the homeless. So don't say like, "Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm as an example, um, Terry, I'm going to serve the homeless." Because we hope everybody does that. That's a, that's a, being a good citizen. It is a part of our Christian call. But but if we don't say we're doing this for the name of Jesus or God bless you or let me pray for you or something, Absolutely. yeah. So um, let's do the things that we do in a in a particularly Christian way. We might need to not do it right out of the gate. We might need to build those relationships or something like that. But um, anyway, well, the, so. So let's just move to the last part of this. We've just got a couple more minutes. Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Boy, wouldn't that be nice. Gosh. So his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the sick and those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them, and great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. So Matthew, remember, he's making the case that Jesus is the Christ. We've seen that he's the fulfillment of salvation history. We've seen John the Baptist, as the, he's the voice in the wilderness preparing the way. Jesus is, we've seen Jesus as the perfect Israel in the desert. We've seen Jesus beginning to call disciples to himself and create a messianic community. Now we see Jesus beginning to make all things new. He is, he is uh, righting the wrongs. He's not kicking Rome out of Israel. He's kicking the devil out of ailing souls. Right? He is, he is healing the sick, casting out demons. Here's a little detail. It's easy to, to, 
flip over, and that is uh, his fame spread throughout all Syria. Not Galilee. Of course, it would have spread, did spread throughout all Galilee. Syria is Gentile country. It's north, like towards Damascus. And, um, and it's just a, another indication, Matthew, which is, of course, we've always called the most Jewish of the Gospels, saying that he's the Messiah for all people. He's the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. And through his line, all nations of the earth will be blessed. His fame spread throughout Syria. It's just a little offhand remark from Matthew, but it's not Zebulun and Naphtali. It's, it's people are coming from all over the place. Gentiles. And Jerusalem and Judea, the religious center, because they're seeing uh, this Messiah. Which makes me want to say, as great crowds come to Jesus, that we are in a time in, our, in our, the history of the church where people say the church is in decline. Because people just aren't as interested anymore. Right? And I don't buy it. The need is just as great. And Christ is still the answer. Christ is still the answer. We are not less powerful uh, in culture. We are perhaps uh, not the majority that we used to be as Christians, but we are not less relevant because we have the answer to what heals, uh, what ails the world. And, and so the country that we live in may be less Christian than it was 50 or 30 uh, years ago, but it's not less Christian than the world the disciples walked into. And they changed it. Because by word and deed, lips and lives, they proclaim the gospel. And so, just to say, great crowds still will, will gather around Jesus. Um, but they need to see us doing it uh, as well. So, questions or comments for the last couple of minutes. Salvation is of God. And if we don't understand the, the power of God's kingdom as it comes from His word, and, and uh, all of us, do, though we may not realize it, are, are saved by the power and the grace of God. And uh, it's just amazing that, that, that we can see that, that God's word uh, will pierce even to the deepest part of our being to, con to convince us that we need Him. Mm -hmm. That's right. We couldn't be convinced that we need Him without the Spirit of God working in our lives. That's miraculous. It is. Your faith is a, is a miracle, and therefore, your um, uh, I mean, your your evidence of the Spirit's work. Christ formed in us. What else? Yes, Charlie. I was with Mary Jo last night, and we were talking about the decline of Christianity. And I brought something up to her, and we talked about this. Living in the area that we're living in, I don't know if it's because I'm a Christian woman or if we really live in a bubble, but everywhere I turn, I see other Christians. I mean, I feel very comfortable in this environment. And, you know, Tom and I travel and we get out and, you know, we're not just living in Florida all of our, our time. Is it because we're Christians that we see other Christians? Or are Christians everywhere but quiet? I, you know, it's really a question of the times, I think. That's a great question. So, uh, Charlene was saying, 
everywhere she goes, she sees other Christians. Where, where and, and, and I would just say, ask that God open our eyes. I mean, I, I look at the, the folks who um, take my money at the behind the counter at the gas station and, and who uh, take my money behind the counter at the Starbucks and who uh, who live in my neighborhood and, and stay home and, you know, like, it just, uh, there are lots of people around us now. Um, and, and for Christians, Christian community, Christian community is so wonderful. And I continually am calling us to get in groups and be a part of the Christian community but it is, it can be insular. And so we need to, be, we need to have the discipline to find, you know, can we go get in a book group? Can we go get an exercise group? Can we go uh, just walk around and just, you know, ask the Lord to bring us, bring us folks? But, um, but yeah. Well, we go to exercise and our, our leader is a Christian woman and she is so obviously Christian and it's the most joyful experience you know, who knew? And then Mary Jo goes to a, a yoga class and they read scripture. You know? Yes, and I would never want to deprive you of that. I do just want to say it's important for us to seek out um, uh, opportunities to be light. Yeah. All right, last thing, Josh. Oh, I, I mean, I'm not making any uh-huh. statements. Oh, okay. Or anything. <laughs> I mean, just, I'm the youngest person in the room, 44 years old. I work with a lot of people younger than me, and it's the opposite. It's the opposite. I I think that there's, I think there's an element of being. We're the 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 southernmost part of the South. You know, you go south here and you're you're North Savannah, but yeah, yeah, we're we're still the South, which is still kind of the Bible Belt a little bit. And so there's an element of that, and then there's an element of you know just we tend to associate with like people and. Some of that's an age thing as well, you know. And not having kids, I tend to associate with. I hang out with Tom and Jim, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, right. <laughs> so, I, I see kind of both sides. That the, the younger crowd, people younger than me, it's it's different. It's different. Yeah, certainly for the younger generation. Yeah. Last, we gotta. I, I gotta go to church. Y'all can keep talking, but uh, yeah. No, just real quick, I, I agree a thousand percent. Yeah. And it is really helpful to get guidance from people like you or else. Yeah. How, what is the approach for approaching those who are not? Because the younger generation is not our generation. Yes. I see it in my own boys. I mean, find what you can offer that's not, I mean, you know, I, what, find the, the best intersection is, is, is hurt. So, like, if they're, if they're hurting, in a certain way, there can you mentor them in in your business? Can you do it? And then find a place to say, "Hey, man, let me, let me pray for you." I have done that with my neighbor. I've, I've prayed prayed with him. Um, but just to um, just to find a, a place to share all your life, not just not just but but you got to share something else. It's a meal, or it's a, a, a skill you have, or it's just kindness. Yeah, just you coming alconsid not at not at them. Come along, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 All right. God bless you. Okay. <laughs> 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 Wasn't it Zebedee's house that they tore the roof up and put the people through? That man threw the I've always never heard it was Peter's house, but it could have been. It was the same area. <laughs> <laughs>